Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Oh, look at you guys today. You look good today. You're not having a good listening day, though. Hey, we're going to invite our ushers to come forward and give an offering together. Um, This is just a time where we can give to the kingdom of God and the things that uh, are are happening in ministry through Vineyard Westside. Like, just this past weekend... Nine of us men got to travel to Kentucky in Big Creek Missions, and um, it, it was just one of those things where um, money is not like the end-all, be-all thing that solves things, but what ends up happening is money is ammunition for the kingdom of God that is, war, that is, that is warring against uh, the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness, and so our dollars being used to fight that darkness back and to take back enemy territory and to bring light into places that were dark, that's what we're doing. Um, and sometimes we're paying the electric bill also. And so for those of you who uh, have partnered with Vineyard Westside, I just say thank you. Thank you for... Um, what we've been able to do and what we get to keep doing. Uh, God, thank you for this offering. Thank you for these people who have a heart that's connected to yours, and it's a heart that's connected to this, this group, this family, this church. We want to see work take place in the name of Jesus. We want to see territory taken back from the enemy. We want to see our money multiplied and to go out into the world and to change things for people in incredible ways. We pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, they're going to pass those along. we got to jump into it. I don't even know how to start with what I want to talk about today. I think I will start with just um, some photos. I just have a few pictures from our trip to Big Creek. We're going to have some more of these, but just before you move on from this one, um, we went to... Uh, a, an area called, it's, I don't know, we were outside of London, Kentucky. What, were, what are we in over there? Leslie County? Leslie County, Kentucky, in the holler, in the, in, the, in the middle of nowhere, where GPS is laughing your face, and they say 2020 tech, 2021 technology ain't, ain't made it out there yet. Uh, and so anyways, uh, this guy here on the left is Frank. Frank is a firefighter out in uh, Leslie County, a couple other counties. He, he works with multiple fire departments. Um, he injured his back pretty seriously, and for whatever reason, he started having some seizures, and he fell backwards and broke his head open pretty bad, and it has caused him to not be able to do a lot of things that he was uh, up to. Frank had started building a new house on his own. Uh, when these seizures began, and all of a sudden he got a big start going, and um, he got married, (laughs) and he was getting everything together, and then things went haywire, and he couldn't finish the project, and so that's when we come in to 
to try to get further with him. I think we got a, a couple pictures of just some of the things we we're working on at his house. This is uh, the, the backside. Um, this house just began being built from zero. It wasn't a house. It was a pile of wood um, just a couple months ago. And it's to this point now, uh, I think we have a couple other pictures. Just They weren't really, these were just kind of a lay of our crazy situation where we were trying to cut materials and, and build things that we could to bring them inside. And uh, we had nine guys, and we accomplished an incredible amount. Our team was able to run the electric from start to finish uh, entirely. We were able to frame the rest of the walls out. We were able to insulate all of the walls. We were able to run all of the plumbing to two bathrooms. We were able to get the tubs, showers, everything hooked up to where uh, now they're not using that bucket anymore that I was afraid to go near. <laughs> and uh, it, was just, it was just some incredible work that took place, but what was even better is we had incredible conversation the whole time and, and God activity taking place. So, thank you. And there's Al's butt crack. Oh, he took it off. Man, I... <sighs> Barely had it up there. Sorry, Al. All right, today what we're going to talk about um, is going to be, it's going to be difficult for me to figure out how to make this work. I will tell you now, I don't have an ability to land this plane um, at the end. We're not going to wrap it up and go, yeah, <laughs> uh, there you go. We are going to get started with a conversation, and we're going to experiment a little bit, if you all are open to it. Um, we started a series last week called No Offense. We're going to continue that today. And today is, no offense, but are you screwed up? Uh, are you screwed up? Um, I did not want to put screwed, um, because actually that's not the, the word that I want happening there, because there's levels. You're messed up, then you're screwed up, then you're effed up. But I don't want to, I don't want to keep saying it, so we'll just imagine, you take it, we're going to use screwed, okay? And we're going to ask the question pretty, pretty seriously, are you screwed up? Like, are you, are you a bit screwed up, a lot, a lot screwed up, kind of screwed up? And the reason why we're asking that question is because I want to dig into the 12-step model and what it means for us as believers and scripture that is related to the 12-step process for um, recovery. Uh, if anybody's been involved in recovery groups or addictions groups or, um, you know, lots of different growth and healing that takes place, 12 steps are incredible, proven, proven groups that save people's lives and change people's lives. And it's a thing that keeps coming up again and again, things about the 12-step process and um, I wanted to see what it might look like for us to all go through a process of the 12 steps together, um, even if you're not what you'd call messed up. 
because I believe in my heart of hearts that the 12 steps are super beneficial to any human being that walks through any, any portion of them. But they're, they're real hard. But they're really, really hard. If you aren't familiar with the 12 steps, maybe you've heard that term before, but the 12 steps are what is um, walked through in the big book in AA, in Alcoholics Anonymous. The 12 steps and... Uh, is it the 12 steps and 12 traditions is uh, another, another model that takes it a little bit further. Um, there are also 12 steps with Jesus uh, programs, all sorts of things. But the 12 steps are an in-depth invitation for those of us who have decided that we're no longer okay with the life that we have been building up to this point, and we need to, we're, the, the saying is when you're, you know, when you get to that point where it's scarier to imagine you staying the same than however scary it is to change, you got to hit that point to, to begin to recover. And so these steps can walk you through different stages and parts and pieces of what that looks like because we start with the question, are you screwed up? Um, some of you are in this room going, no, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm going to say you are. You're screwed up. You have problems. You have pain. You have things that you hate about yourself. You have things that other people hate about you. You have ways that you have wanted to change yourself for maybe your entire life, and you're, you're just in that stuck place of, how do, how do I actually do it? Are you a bit screwed up? What do you want to change about you? Like, so, and here's, here's why, I, why I'm talking about this right now. I'm not an expert in 12 steps. I haven't worked the entire 12 steps. I've worked through about step four or five a couple different times, and it sucks so hard, I quit and stopped. But 10 days ago, I quit chewing tobacco. And uh, it was not a little thing, and it's still not a little thing, and it's still ruining my life. <laughs> Allison, is it ruining my life? Is it, ru is it, is it ruining your life? I'm sorry. Um, and I was an everyday user. I didn't go... Um, without tobacco for more than a few hours for about 15 years. And I would go through two cans a day. Um, it was the equivalent of seven packs of cigarettes, nicotine-wise. Uh, 100, 140 of them buggers. It was a lot of nicotine, and I'm still, I'm still struggling with it. Why did I quit? Why now? Because we... I had a conversation in our men's group, and we were talking about how we're sick of being slaves to certain things. And I'm tired of being a slave to it. I don't want it to be 9 p.m. at night, and I'm, I'm on the couch with my wife watching a show, but I'm jonesing because I haven't had it for a while. I ran out. I didn't plan, I didn't plan accordingly. And, I got, and now I'm that guy who's a slave to this little thing i got to run out and go and buy this because it's in control of my life, right? 
And it's a way that I cope with whatever's going on. If I'm feeling stressed out, I got to run to that. If I'm feeling like I have, I have something important to do and I just need that little extra thing. Am I, anybody else do something other than tobacco like this? You grab stuff and maybe it got to a weird behavior. Maybe it was fun at first. Maybe you're to a point where you're going, um, I don't know what I'm getting out of this at all. Um, I don't know what the benefit is at all. Are you screwed up a little maybe? <laughs> Romans chapter 7. What we're going to do is run through what the 12 steps are quickly, just what they are, and then a scripture that I believe corresponds with it that kind of helps me um, see and make the spiritual connection that's going on. This is Romans chapter seven fifteen, that will go along with step one. What is step one of the 12-step process? Step one is where you admit that you are powerless over your addiction and that your life has become unmanageable. You admit that you're powerless over this thing and that uh, you're, you're not in control anymore. It's unmanageable. You don't know how to stop. Romans chapter 7 says, What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. What's step two if you're on the 12-step road? Step two is you came to believe that God could restore you to sanity. So maybe you went through that process and step one was recognizing, you know what, am I a little bit screwed up? Ding, 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 screwed up. Yep, I am. There's stuff in my life that I don't like at all. There's stuff that I'm recognizing I don't get pleasure out of that thing anymore and I'm a slave to it. There's stuff where um, I'm developing new problems and illnesses and tics and social behaviors and weird, dark, gross things because of this, this thing I do. And so step two, step two is when you come to actually believe God can restore you to sanity. He can uh, transform the situation that you're in. So if the first one is, are you a bit screwed up? Step one is recognizing, are you a bit screwed up? Yes. Step two is um, recognizing that maybe uh, I, could, I, could, I could do some work and become not screwed up. I could do work and become not screwed up. Not screwed up is a possibility, right? Do I believe that I need to change something? Do I accept that that means if I change something, it means it really changes, that I actually have to think and feel and act differently at the end of this? I can't pretend. I have to actually change. Am I okay with that? What's the third step in this process? The third one is, you know, if, if we're, um, are you screwed up? Okay, can you see a possibility where maybe your life isn't screwed up? Step three would be, um, recognizing, are you, on your own, able to bring yourself to a place where you can unscrew up yourself? If it's just you, can you unscrew up you? Can, can you unmess up the mess? Because if you can't, 
If you can't, that's where you're going to be recognizing that spot of, um, I'm limited, I'm not able to do this, um, I'm not able to pull this off on my own, I don't think I'm suffering from uh, anxiety or fear or shame or doubt or perfectionism, I'm projecting it onto other people and think, yada, yada, yada. We have to dig into all these. These are just, they're teasers. You're not getting it. You're not, you're not, you're not unaddicted to stuff yet if you're struggling. Step four. Step four is where you make a searching, fearless, moral inventory of yourself. This is, um, this is attending awful camp. This is, this is bad. This is good. This is beautiful. This is terrible. <laughs> Who's hit step four? Step four, amazing. Is it disgusting? Is it incredible? Is it beautiful? Is it, is it frightening? Because step four is where you begin to absolutely own your garbage. You own your stuff and you say, you know what? Yes, um, I did. That's, that is who I am. That is what I've done. That is how I hurt them. Those were my actions. I'm, I'm having to own them and actually say, yes, those were my actions that wrecked that car. Those were my actions that ruined that friendship. Those were my actions that cheated on my wife. Those were my, whatever, whatever it is. And this moral, this fearless moral inventory is an examining of yourself that is, <laughs> I don't know any, I don't know a process that is, I don't know a process that can tear you apart and glue you back together like this in all the rest of the world as step four. You write down all the things that are screwing you up or have ever screwed you up and you don't lie to yourself about it and you don't lie to other people about it and you don't leave anything out and it takes forever and you gotta dig and you gotta dig and you gotta dig and stuff that you're even embarrassed to admit because it seems so silly and why would I put that in there that when that guy said that when I was younger um, that I was, uh, I was always gonna be uh, just a little smart ass kid when he said that, that that stuck with me for some reason, does that go on the list? Because I don't know why, but it's in my head right now. <laughs> and, um, and I know that whenever I deal with certain people in my life, I see that guy again. And I imagine him saying that. And I respond inappropriately or um, in a way that doesn't match up to the situation. Step four is creating a fearless moral inventory. Lamentations chapter three says, let us examine ourselves, our ways, and test them. And let us return to the Lord. Let us go out and examine ourselves and say, who, who are we? Who am I really when it comes down to it? Am I, willing to, am I willing to own that? There's a lot of there's a lot of meat involved in step four. Step five is where, yes, you admit these things to God. You admit these things to yourself that you've written down. But you also have to go and admit them to another human being. You have to find someone that you sit down with and you tell them the exact nature 
of all of the wrongs that you did. All of it. All of it. This is where a sponsor comes in, often for those in recovery. The sponsor's role is helping people walk through these next steps one by one because they're, they're super hard. Where you're admitting to God, admitting it to yourself, and admitting to another person all of the things you've done. James chapter 5 says, Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you could live together whole and healed. Whole and healed. One of the things that God has been showing me recently is that I need to tell an entire church when I quit tobacco, things like that, because it brings in an, an accountability that isn't possible otherwise. Um, it also... Um, I want you guys to understand and know that I don't get to be up here and teach about this thing because um, I'm, I'm better at anything. I feel privileged to get up here and teach this because I've recognized that I'm worse. I've recognized that I have a lot of the things that, that cause us to stumble, that cause us to get addicted, that cause us to uh, not experience the life that we're supposed to and so it's, it's a thing we can, we can walk through together. One of the things that's on the outside of our sign out there is come as you are. Like we, we, and we, do want, we want you to come as you are, whatever your stuff is. Like whatever your... A lot of people come in here, they're worried about the dress code. That's their number one thing. We want you to know that you're able to come as you are if you're straight or you're gay, if you're black or you're white. If you're trans, figuring it out, if you're this, that, the other, if you're a criminal, if you're a prostitute, if you're a reformed this or that, come as you are. But also, the way God works, he doesn't want you to stay the way you are. Yeah, come as you are. Come as you are for sure. Everybody. Doesn't matter what you got going on. But he's not the God who, who invites us to stay as we are. He wants us to change and grow and advance and not deal with those same stupid things that we've dealt with for so long. Step six. Step six is when you are finally entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character from you. Surrender. Where you're ready to give them over to him. To say, you can have these. I don't want them. I want you to take them. First Peter chapter 3 says, So roll up your sleeves. Put your mind in gear. Be totally ready. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil. Let yourselves be pulled into a way of life that is shaped by God's life. A life that's energetic and blazing with holiness. This is where you're entirely ready. I'm entirely ready to do it. What's the seventh step? It's where you are humbly asking God to remove your shortcomings from you. This happened to me. Um, I went through a process with the Lord that was beautiful and painful and scary. I was telling guys about it this weekend from our trip that, uh, you know, when I was about 17 or 18 years old, um, I'm fairly, I mean... 
I was just stealing money like crazy from my job. I made this dollar amount at work, but I had scams running of all kinds in the background. I'd become the manager of this store. It was a perfect setup, and I probably, I probably pulled forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars over the course of a year or two um, through scamming ways. This was the recognizing a certain behavior that I had and a certain um, hole in my heart that I was trying to fill with money or uh, the thrill of something and needing to get to the step of asking him to remove these shortcomings from me. I was prayed for by a group of people um, here at a long time ago and it was specifically about this stuff. I, 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 didn't, I didn't confess it to anybody. It's too embarrassing. I didn't tell them what it was for at the time because I was still afraid. I was still deathly afraid, and I have to still fight against it now that you guys are going to look at me and go, ugh, and that you'll reject me and you'll run somehow. But that feeling was way stronger. And so um, I, I didn't tell them what it was for, but I, I wanted this... I wanted this um, this feeling of wanting to steal to disappear. I had asked God to take it away. I had walked through other steps on trying to understand where does it come from? Why do I, why do, I do that? Why do I behave that way? And a group prayed for me, and I remember seeing an image of hands reaching into me. So this one, definitely, I can't write down as a step. You get to this part and have God do this to you. I wish he would. I wish. But I saw hands reaching into me, and they finished praying, and I was just done. I didn't steal anymore. I didn't want to. I never did. And it's a miracle from the Lord, and I know it's because step seven stuff was happening. <laughs> James chapter 4 says, so let God work his will in you. Say a quiet yes to God, and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom. You know the scripture says hit bottom? <laughs> hit bottom. Hurry up. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. And get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way that you'll get onto your feet. Step eight. Step eight, if you're walking through this stuff and it's hard, is you make a list of all the people that you've harmed. And they're the ones that you're finally ready to make amends with, the ones that you've really screwed over, the ones that you've really messed up with, the ones that... You don't, you don't deserve a forgiven thought from them. You, you don't deserve anything. You harmed them, and it's that list of people where you're going to try to make amends as far as it depends on you. Mark chapter 11, it says, And when you assume this posture of prayer, because it is a type of prayer that's going on when you're writing that list, when you assume this posture of prayer, remember that it's not all asking. If you have anything against someone, forgive. 
Only then will your Father, your heavenly Father, be inclined to also wipe your slate clean of sins. That, man, you want to, you want some of that for you? Give some away. Step nine is when you make a direct amends to such people whenever possible, um, except for if you're going to harm those people. It's where you have to go through the process of recognizing. Uh, so it could be something like, um, hey, I, uh, I, I slept with your wife. That's one of the examples of do you tell somebody that, yes or no? Because am I going to be bringing healing with my amends that I'm trying to bring, or am I going to be bringing divorce and destruction and chaos into that home? Uh, my, my amends have to be ones that, I'm, that I really think through, ones that are not going to hurt other people. Matthew chapter 5, it says, if you enter your place of worship and you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. Don't, don't try to come to, to God and pretend that everything's okay. Um, God, God doesn't, you can't trick him. <laughs> everything's good. Don't, no, don't ask Jerry. <laughs> I know you meant Jerry counted too. Not everything's okay with Jerry. Step 10 is where you continue this is where I feel like this is more getting into maintenance territories and where you get to uh, express joy and um, partner with new people in the same journey. Step 10, continue to take personal inventory. And when we're wrong, we promptly admit it now. This is where we, start, we know ourselves more. I've gone through a process. I know myself more. You know what I'm doing right now? Oh, I'm doing that thing where I try to... I try to be the smartest person in the room in this conversation that I'm having with somebody. I'm doing that thing right now where I feel inadequate, so I'm going to pretend to be more than adequate. I'm doing that thing right now. And it's, it's these areas of just knowing you, your personal inventory, and okay, I'm doing that thing that, I'm doing that thing I know. I know why I'm doing it. 1 John chapter 1, it says, If we claim that we're free of sin, we're only fooling ourselves. A claim like that is errant nonsense. On the other hand, if we admit our sins, make a clean break from them. Does this say breast on your screen too? That's an interesting typo. It's not supposed to be that. You make a clean break from them, and he won't let you down. He'll be true to himself. He'll forgive our sins and purge us of all wrongdoing. Step 11 in this process is sought through prayer and med meditation, where you're improving on that, that, um, that constant contact with God and this, this, ongoing, this conversation. You're keeping it going. You're praying um, for his knowledge and his will for you to... Um, that you'll be able to keep carrying out the work that's going on. 
You know, I talked with someone a long time ago who said that the recovery process and working the 12 steps was like diving through a plate glass window, but paradise was on the other side. But that they almost died from the injuries. Like that it was hell. It hurt. It was long, the healing process. But on the other side, it was they were they were getting they were getting better for for paradise they were moving into. Philippians chapter 4, instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know what your concerns are. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, it will come and it will settle you down. Step 12 is where you've had this spiritual awakening, and as a result of going through those steps, you are given an opportunity to carry this message to other addicts, to other strugglers on the, on the trail, to others who are uh, going through pain or um, can't get out of a cycle or a rut. Uh, you are given an opportunity to practice those principles, not just on you, but you get to bring them to another person and watch them experience life to the full. Galatians 6 says, Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and complete Christ's law. This is why the 12 steps happen. I'm inviting all of you as an opening opportunity to take part in um, a kind of an experiment together where over the next few weeks we will do some different activities to try to um, identify some things through the process of these steps. I'm going to need help from certain people. For those of you who are working the steps, who have worked them, who are still like you're active, your sponsors, you are involved in recovery groups, I need your help this week. Um, we need to put together an experiment, okay? The first one that we're going to do, I'm going to let you guys go, but I need you to write down some notes. This is just an experiment so that you can have an understanding of what the heck I'm talking about. With the, like, what, is, what does it look like to work one of these steps? How about we do step four? Just that you don't, we're not moving there, but let's just look at what it looks like, okay? Step four, the rough one. How do you do step four? How do you make that happen? What does that look like? Oh, I've lost my page. Where do we go? Okay, so it's going to be a process where you have to ask yourself certain questions and put things into certain categories. It's what's been helpful for me. I've lost it. It's got to be around here somewhere. Got too many papers. There it is. Okay, so if you have something to write on, here's what we would be doing for step four as a just as an opener activity to help with the process to get started. Um, I put down uh, some different columns. The first, the first one is I resent. And so I can put things in this one of things that I resent or people that I resent or feelings that I resent, um, stuff that, I'm, that just gets me upset for some reason. I resent. Uh, the next category over is because... I resent dot, 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 blank. The next one is because. And so this could be something like, 
I resent um, my boss at the gas station I worked at because he fired me and he yelled at me. He fired me and he yelled at me. I resent him and the gas station and the horse they rode in on because he fired me and he yelled at me. The next column is where you would write down, this affects my dot, dot, dot. This affects my focus. This affects my confidence. This affects my, my drive. This affects my, my family. I've been acting like a jerk for a week. This affect, what is it affecting? And then the last column over, take, make, some, make some room. Get this one over here. You got to write down your part. You have to write down your part of it. What was your part in it? I resent my boss at the gas station because he fired me and he yelled at me and embarrassed me in front of people. It affects my confidence. It affects my, um, it affects my level of peace. It affects my family. It affects my health. All these different things. Uh, what's my part in it? Oh, that's right. I was late 37 times, and I'm awful at being an employee at that gas station. He wasn't, I was late again and again. And he kept catching me stealing drinks and snacks. I did that. It's not all just crazy. I'm not allowed to just run away. And how many people do you know, how many of you have done this? And you run away and you say, Ugh, those idiots, they did such and such. And you know in the back, you, you got that whole list over there, all the stuff you did to make that happen. And you don't want to tell anybody. You put that over there. That's where you got to write that on that list. I resent this because of this. It affects my that. Here's my part in it. We'll start with that experiment. Um, over this week, I'm going to be sending out invitations for any of you who would like to take part in the 12-step experiment. We're going, to, we're going to see where it goes. I'm going to need some of your help. Um, we're going to try to get some groups going for a few weeks and um, more information to come. But I do need you to sign up out in the lobby if you want to help, if you want to take part in the experiment. Do you want to walk through the 12 steps as scary as they are? I know some of you desperately need them. Like, you're actually life or death and you won't admit it. And this little experiment and us bringing it up today is actually going to save your life. That's going to happen. And for some of you, you don't know that you need it right now, but you'll benefit greatly. I challenge you to take part in the 12-step experiment. Let's, yes, sure. I'm inspired by you saying you're admitting to our group here, our parents, our community, that you are withdrawing or coming off of um, chewing tobacco. So between you and the whole Good job. Good job.
Well, you're in trouble now because you said it out loud. And that's the whole thing. You're stuck. It does. Well done. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for uh, my brothers and sisters in this room because I just, I'm, I feel like a lot of us are getting to a point where we're just, we're fed up with seeing the people that we love have crappy lives, less than lives, where you're a more than God that has stuff for them that you want to do, and, and we want you to breathe the breath of your life. You breathe that breath of life into us and give us strength, give us um, determination. Give Some of us, there, I know there's people in this room right now who are, their heart is beating like crazy because because you're you're dancing around their area that they're hiding. I just pray that you would reveal it completely, that you would give them boldness and courage like you did with Christine to be able to admit that stuff is going on. God, that we would step into this uh, and give it everything that we have. Uh, because we believe that um, you want to do some incredible work through it. We love that you're not okay with your people just living subpar lives. And so we, we ask for favor. We ask for wholeness and healing. We ask for uh, grace to be abounding. That the spirit of judgment would die in this room. That if anybody's nervous or worried about confessing or admitting something uh, for the first time, that they would let her fly because we're in an atmosphere of grace and love. So we say, come Holy Spirit, pray that you would be spreading truth and grace and you would make us into a people who are, uh, who are living that life to the full. Pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Um, we're going to put out more information over the next couple days through Facebook and YouTube and email and such, uh, also through the church app. But it would be best if you can sign up with your email or phone number out in the lobby at the Connections desk, and uh, we'll be sending out some invitations for groups to happen. I love you guys. I will see you soon. Have a good week. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.